I remember the day that I wanted to punch my college roommate in the face. Have you ever been that angry? I mean, it didn't come to fisticuffs, don't worry. But I was really, really upset. Here's the context. The night before, a group of us had gone out to eat at Chili's, and on this particular night, I had some leftover wings. You remember the song, Bo, 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 Buffalo Wings? You're going to leave me hanging, are you? Well, I love that song, but not as much as I love my wings. I love wings. It's one of my favorite foods. And so I got back to the dorm. I kind of put it into the fridge, and I think, you know, I had, you know, wing. I was counting wings instead of sheep going to bed that night. I was really excited about it, dreaming about it, all that type of stuff. You know, the land of wings and ranch or whatever it is. And I wake up to the next day. It's probably the next afternoon, if I'm being honest. This is college, right? And so it's the next day, and I wake up, and I make a beeline for that fridge. I open it up, and it's empty. It's as empty as the tomb, like there's nothing in there at all. And I look up at my college roommate, and he looks right back at me, and we like lock eyes. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be a thing, isn't it? And it was, and we argued a little bit. Actually, at first, I don't think I said anything for about an hour. I was so angry. And then we argued, and we kind of came to the conclusion that he'd pay off the debt, and we'd just go get wings that night, no problem. But I have this image, I still have this image of him, you know, like when I'm asleep, me and like super quiet and opening the door, and they're like beckoning to him, like, oh, bo, 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 bo. And he's like, oh, and he's eating it like a little raccoon. The reason that I say that is because, and this is why I love telling the story right now, my college roommate is actually Kyle Yoakum, our student pastor here at the Ridge. So please talk to him about that today. Now he remembers it entirely differently, but I'm the one up here with a microphone. And so that sucks for him. But have you ever really gotten angry about something that's super silly? Like it's not that big of a deal. I have had real arguments in my life about how to fold towels, about how to load and unload a dishwasher. Some of you have too. I've heard how opinionated people can be about that. Here's one of my favorites. I had a very long, in-depth, heated discussion about how to pronounce someone's last name. But the kicker was I was arguing with the person whose last name it was. So I was wrong. Like how foolish... That's ridiculous. We've all had kind of silly conflicts where we've gotten upset, but I've also gotten really angry at important things. Are you with me? Like things that actually matter, like things that are a big deal. I've been angry when I was betrayed by a friend, and I mean more than just wings. Like, you know, you've had a relationship and somebody like leaves, or I've been angry when somebody says something about me that isn't true, or I've been angry about hurt, or I've been angry about pain. Maybe you've been angry about abuse or neglect or things in your life, and you should be angry. Angry, and it makes sense that you're angry. And anger, however you define it, however you interact with it, is a part of our life. Like it's there whether we act like it is or not. Now we're in this series and we're calling it Heartbreakers. And we've been looking at our hearts and really four significant emotions in our hearts that cause heartbreak in our lives. And our heart matters because that's kind of where we find our deepest, our darkest, the biggest motivations and desires. That's where they come from. They come from our heart. So what's in our heart matters and it impacts the way we live and interact with other people. Now last week, Reed talked about guilt and confession and how confession can really break us out of that heartbreak. It was fantastic. And so if you haven't heard it yet, make sure you go and go online on our app and listen to that message. But next week we're talking about greed 
And greed's kind of sneaky. I've never met anybody who's like, yeah, I'm incredibly greedy. In two weeks, we're talking about jealousy, but today we're talking about that heartbreaker of anger. And anger can control us, right? Sometimes we don't always know what we're doing when we're incredibly angry. We don't always even know that it's anger. It can be sneaky at times too. Maybe you have a coworker and you, you have that coworker and you're like, that coworker took those accolades. You know, they took praise for something that I did. And I'm pretty frustrated by that. Or like, I just wish that they would work as hard as I do. Or I just don't understand why they get away with having that day off or coming in late and I don't. See, those are all kind of versions of anger. And we might not be yelling. We not, might not be red-faced. So we don't think that it's anger, but it is. And in reality, it's just a different version or we're handling it differently or we're stuffing it down until it explodes. Or maybe you use the word annoyance. You know, like, here's a scenario. Like, your kid is in the back seat of your van, and you're driving down the road, and you just hear, why, why, why? And you're like, stop it, Asher! Okay, that's my kid. That's, maybe you're not yelling, stop it, Asher. That'd be weird. But, like, we get so annoyed. That's a version of anger, frustration, bitterness, annoyance. Those are all versions of anger. And anger can be crippling. It can just stop us right in our tracks, kind of causes us to be locked up. It's kind of like being in prison. It causes bitterness. It pushes us towards revenge. It can eat away at contentment or joy or peace or love in our heart because we haven't dealt with this anger. Now, anger means that we believe that somebody owes us something. It's you owe me. And maybe you're not an angry person and you don't have a temper and you're not yelling, and you're not screaming, and you're not wanting to punch somebody in the face, and that's probably good. But think about it. Do you feel like anyone owes you anything? If anger is in our heart, we feel like they owe us something. And usually, and here's why anger is so tricky, usually they do owe us something. Like we're not wrong. And we go, until they pay me back, until they you come and, and confess to me. I don't owe them anything. I don't owe them forgiveness. I don't owe them the time of day. And maybe they deserve to get something for what they did. Maybe they deserve to go to jail or be exposed for the person that they really are or whatever. Maybe they need to hold one of those shame signs. Have you ever seen one of those? They kind of look like this. You ever seen, seen a sign like this? Being bad and rude to our bus driver. Mom's making us walk. These are not my kids, Okay. I just want you to know that. Well, we should have made a sign for Kyle today, shouldn't we? A lot of us are like, hey, I would love the person that has wronged me. I would love the person that owes me something to have to hold something like this. Or I want them to pay. Or I want the debt to be paid up. Have you ever thought anything like that? And Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Here's what it sounds like. I won't forgive unless they make it right. I won't forgive unless they own what they did. I won't forgive unless they apologize. I won't forgive unless they understand the depth at which they hurt me. I won't forgive until justice is served. I won't forgive unless they pay. I won't forgive unless they change their behavior. I won't forgive them ever, no matter what, because they owe me that much and they're in my debt and they won't pay me back. And we say enough is enough. And we think forgiveness excuses their behavior. That means they got away with it, that they're scot-free. And you know what? A lot of times when I hear people talk about their lives or their hurts or their anger, 
it's at least kind of justified. It's pretty rare that somebody is bringing up something that's just silly. It's usually not about wings. It's usually something deeper than that. And they didn't deserve, you didn't deserve to be treated the way that you were treated. You didn't deserve to be hurt. And I understand why there's anger there. And I know from firsthand experience, it's hard to move past anger. Especially justified anger. But you're not the only person who's felt like this. The person next to you, the person across the room, the person online, me, we've all felt like this. And I think Jesus understood this. And his followers asked questions about this. Now here's the context of what we're talking about today. Jesus had just taught his followers, his disciples, about how to interact with one another in conflict. Like, hey, so if you do something wrong to me, or I do something wrong to you, here's how we should deal with it. Now, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he followed up after Jesus' teaching on this, and he asked some questions. And I love this. This is Matthew 18. That's where we're kind of going to be this morning. This is what happened. So then Peter came to Jesus and asked, okay, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Like seven times? I'm really thankful for Peter because he asks crazy questions and says outlandish things. And they're often the things that we would say and do and ask when we're interacting with Jesus if we had a chance. This is a real question. You're like, hey, Jesus, I have, I have a friend, like a friend down the road. His name is Doug. He hurt me really bad. And how many times do I have to forgive Doug? Like, Doug's kind of a jerk. Should I, should I forgive him? I don't know. And then Peter answers his question. I love that. Have you ever done that? You ask somebody, you ask Jesus, you're like, dear Jesus, what should I do? Should it be this? Because we answer our own question. And so he goes, should it be like seven times? And I think Peter's going like, because that's way too many times. Like, he's not going to say seven times. He's going to be like, Peter, you don't need to do seven times. Fool me once, you know, fool me twice, you don't have to do it anymore. Maybe forgive once, maybe twice, because you're such a good person. I'm reaching my limit. Do I have to count? Like, what do I have to do here? That's what Peter's asking. There's a real scenario, I think, in his life. He has a real friend down the street who's hurt him over and over again. He's like, do I have to keep up with this guy? Like, what do I have to do? When do I get to punch him in the face? And Jesus answers his question. Peter goes, how many times do I need to forgive? And here's Jesus' answer. No, not seven times. No, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And so you don't have to get your phones out and punch it into the calculator. That's 490 times. What is Jesus saying? You're impressed by my math right now. It's all right. I'll give you a second. What, What was Jesus saying here? He wasn't saying 490 times. He was saying all of the times. We can't keep track like that. And if you do, that's probably not particularly healthy for you. That's what he's saying is every single time. And then Jesus goes and tells this story. He's trying to explain to Peter and the people listening, okay, maybe maybe we're not getting it the way that we hope you're getting it. So Jesus tells this story. It's called a parable. It's a story with a point. And it ends with this crazy verse in the Bible. So this is kind of the story. This is what Jesus says. Jesus tells this story about a king. And the king let people borrow money. And one day he called in his debts. He said, okay, I'm going to collect the money from all these people. Now there was one person who worked for the king that owed a lot of money. 
like in our day, like millions, billions of dollars. There's no way that this person could pay off this money in their lifetime. So the king decided to do what many of us might do. He cuts his losses. And he goes like, here's what we're going to do. You're going to give me everything that you own. And I'm going to sell it. All your land, all your barns, all your livestock, everything. But also, you're going to sell me your wife. You're going to sell me your kids, your family members. And they're all going to go work for me as servants to work on paying for this debt. You're going to become my slave. This is not a good situation for this guy. So this, this guy's panicking. He's really worried. He's really upset. He has been way over his head. He borrowed so much money. And he falls down on his knees and he begs the king. He's like, please be patient with me. Please, I'll pay it off. Which is impossible. And the king is filled with compassion and he's filled with pity for this debtor. And he decided, okay, I'm going to let him go. I'm going to let his family go. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to cancel the entire debt. Can you imagine about to go bankrupt or about to foreclose on your home? Like the notices have been posted on your door and you get home that day and you realize that the bank has canceled all of it just because. Has anybody ever experienced that? No, of course they haven't experienced that. Banks don't do that. This is how rare this is. This is a big deal. And this man left the king and he's probably skipping and jumping and singing the boneless buffalo wing song. And he went to a coworker right away. He goes to this coworker and the first man goes to the coworker and says, you owe me a thousand dollars. If you can believe it, he grabs the second man by the throat. The first man throws him up against the wall and he demands instant payment right there. But his coworker fell to his knees. He's in over his head and he says, please be patient with me. I'll pay it off. The same words that the first man had just said when he owed the king. But the man, that first man, decided to have his coworker arrested, decided to have his coworker put into jail, which is really dumb because if you're in jail, you can't pay off the debt. And some other people were watching all of this go down. They're probably posting on TikTok or whatever, I don't know. But they saw it and they were upset. They didn't think that this was fair. They didn't think that this was okay. And they went and they told the king what the first man had done. And the king is ticked. This is what he says. The king called in that first man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. This is the way, this is what's highlighted right here. This is how Jesus defines forgiveness. It's not forgiven a little thing. It's not when it's convenient for us. It's not because they've earned the right to be forgiven. I forgave you a tremendous debt, an unpayable debt. I forgave that. And he sent the man away to prison to be tortured until he paid his debt off, which was impossible because you can't pay off a debt when you're in prison. 
And then Jesus explains the story. And this verse doesn't make sense. When you first look at it, it's a really difficult verse. Check this out. This is Matthew 18, 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. What? What does that mean? That God's going to put us in prison if we don't forgive? That, I don't know. I don't know if that's literally what's going to happen, but I do know, maybe you can relate to this, what it feels like to have so much anger or so much hurt in my heart that I'm imprisoned anyway. I think that's part of what Jesus is saying. This is a reminder that God has forgiven us, that we have hurt other people, that we are in debt, whether we realize it or not, and that we need to remember that we are forgiven. That's a significant motivator for forgiving others. Here's kind of the big idea, the overarching idea for today. Forgive others because you've been forgiven. That's the concept that we need to understand. When we forgive, we're the ones able to cancel the debt. We're the ones with the power. And oftentimes we can make a really solid case for why somebody shouldn't be forgiven. Right? They probably don't deserve your forgiveness. For being honest, the person that you need to forgive the most in your life probably doesn't deserve your forgiveness. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't earned. It's given in spite of what someone has done. Forgiveness is given even though they don't care. Even though they can't pay off the debt. And the entire point of Jesus' parable is you and I have been forgiven. And as someone who has been forgiven, we should understand how important it is to forgive. So in this parable, God is the king who is forgiving the debt. We're the first debtor who then turned around and wanted to punch the other guy. That the debtor who didn't forgive. And then Jesus warns us, look, that's not good. That's not healthy. You will be imprisoned. You will be tortured for the rest of your life if you don't forgive the way that we're talking about. The reason for forgiving someone else is because we're in need of forgiveness. Now, I have a question for you that many of us will probably answer. Yeah, that's me. Do you have, do you have trouble forgiving somebody? I do. Why do you think that is? See, a lot of times I believe that we struggle with forgiving someone else because of pride. Now, we might not identify it that way. We might not think about it that way. But we start to go, look, they deserve something. They did something wrong. And we start to compare ourselves to who they are. And like, I would never do anything that bad. I mean, they know what they did. I'm allowed to be mad because what they did is wrong and you're right. And I'm going to say this because I need to hear it and maybe you need to hear it. But we need to stop if we're really quick to identify somebody else's debt and we forget our own debt. We owe other people. We owe God for falling short of his standard. That's called sin. We make mistakes all the time. And instead of giving us what we deserve, instead of making us pay for it, he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And it's 
of debt we can't pay. We can't cancel it on our own. We can be thankful and we can forgive other people because we are forgiven. But still, it's pretty difficult to forgive sometimes. You have somebody in your head right now, you're like, Kyle and his wings, that's what it is for me too, which would be weird. But do you have somebody in your head right now? Somebody that you need to forgive? Somebody that you think owes you something? And you're angry, and you don't think they've owned it, and they aren't being responsible, and it's not fair? Think for a moment, just for a second. What would they need to do to pay off the debt? What could they give you? They have to admit they're wrong, ask for forgiveness. And maybe that would help a little bit. But I'm here to tell you, for these serious heartbreakers in our life, even if they did that, it doesn't go back and take away the pain. It doesn't go back and take away the hurt. It doesn't go back and take away the abuse. It doesn't go back and make everything right, does it? So how do we move on? How do we deal with it? Well, Andy Stanley wrote a book. It's called Enemies of the Heart. It's a really great read. I would encourage you, if you want to dig into some of this a little bit more, to to go read that. We actually are going to have a, a couple of copies available throughout the week. So if you want a copy, just come down and talk to me afterwards, and we'll get you set up throughout the week for that. But he breaks this down, this forgiveness process down, in some steps. And I think that they're fantastic. So check this out. How... How do we forgive? What does it look like? Well, here's step one. Identify who you're angry with. And you're looking at me like, I know who I'm angry with. I understand, Adam, you dumb. But we have this mantra sometimes. We're like, forgive and forget. Have you ever, have you ever heard that? That's not true. It's not a good thing to do. That's not what we're talking about today. Get that out of your head. We can't do that. That's not the point. The point is, Hey, it's okay to identify the person that you're angry with. And sometimes this can be so sneaky and we trick ourselves. We're like, I'm not mad at them. I'm just mad at what they did. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. You know, those types of things. Maybe use the debt analogy to help you determine, do you feel like they owe you something? If they... If you're going, you know, they kind of do owe me an apology or they do owe me some of their time or they do owe me some money or they do owe me the time of day or you know, whatever it is, maybe you need to identify that person. And maybe for you, it's more than one person. I was kind of working on this message and I had to write down a couple of different people because if we don't deal with it and if we don't identify them, sometimes it just builds up and builds up and it happens more and more and more. So my suggestion is identify them, write them down, write a list. And you don't have to be like, here's my list. They're magically forgiven. I forgive all of you. Yay. Like, it's not like that. You don't have to do that. You just go to step two. You figured out who you're angry with. Step two, you determine what they owe you. And we have trouble with this step. We don't know how to articulate it. What did they take from you? We can answer that question. If there's a debt, that means something was taken. And until we understand that, it's hard for us to go through this. So what was taken from you? In the case of Kyle, he took my wings. We can identify it. What would you need 
to have returned to you to make it right, even if it's impossible. All right, here's an easy one. They owe me an apology, okay? All right, what else, what else do they owe you? What did they take from you? Maybe they took your time. You wasted my time, or you took my money and it was stolen, or you took my healthy family away, or you took my future away, or you took my healthy marriage away, and it's on you, and you did it, and how dare you do that? Or you took my reputation away, or you took my job away, or you took my friend away, you took my safety away, you took my innocence away, you took my security away. You took something from me. That's where the anger's coming from. So you identify the person, then you identify the debt, the actual thing that they took. And I'd write it down. I'd get a big old ledger just like the bank. And you write it down. Kyle took my wings. And you write it down so you can see it. And then you get to the fun part. Here's number three. You cancel the debt. And it means the same thing as the bank and the money that you owe. Canceling the debt means you decide the person who owes you doesn't owe you anymore. That's it. And if you're having trouble with this one, you're not alone. One of the reasons why this is so hard is we're still angry and we still feel like we're owed and that offending person doesn't care or they've moved on with their life, whatever, happy over there, sad over here, and that stinks. But one way to confront this is by making a ceremony of canceling the debt. Here's what I mean. Write it down, put it in an envelope, and burn it. It symbolizes something. Write it down, wrap it on a stone, throw it into the lake. It symbolizes something. Now, what are you writing down? Here's just some help. Heavenly Father, Kyle has taken wings from me. I choose to cancel this debt. Kyle doesn't owe me anymore. Just as you forgave me, I forgive Kyle. But seriously, like look at it and like whatever is going on, the hurt that you have, the pain that you have, the anger that you have, you can fill in these blanks. Heavenly Father, they have taken this from me and it's not okay. And I choose to cancel the debt. I choose to cancel the debt. They don't owe me anymore. Just as you forgave me, I forgive them. You are deciding that they don't owe you anymore. And for those of you who think forgiveness is weak or you think forgiveness allows people to get away for it, I think forgiveness is one of the biggest signs of strength and health in our lives. They can't actually cancel their own debt. It's impossible. Even if they apologize, even if they return the money, even if they take back what they said, the debt is still owed because it still happened. And the strength is when you decide, I choose to forgive this debt. You're not excusing the behavior. You're not saying the action is okay. You're not saying I'm not allowed to be angry. You're just saying the debt is canceled. And you've identified the person and you've identified what they owe you and you've canceled the debt. You're done, right? Easy peasy, one, two, three, easy. Maybe not. Here's number four. Here's number four. Dismiss the case because feelings don't always follow our decisions, do they? Sometimes we decide and we're like, yeah, I've done this. And you go into the grocery store and you see Honey Nut Cheerios and you're like, they liked Honey Nut Cheerios and I am angry. And you start to remember again or you lay your head down at night, and you're like, I'm remembering what they did to me a long time ago, or I walk into Chili's, and I hear that boneless buffalo wing song, and it's Kyle! 
right? So what do you do when you're in that situation? There are three options. You can reopen the case and go through everything all over again. You can try to forget it, which is impossible. Or you can face it. And when you face it, you say this last step, kind of the the cancel the debt again. You go, hey, he doesn't owe me anything because I canceled the debt. You've dismissed the case. You can't reopen it just like a bank can't reopen the debt. The debt has been canceled, case closed. Now, if it's still hanging on, if you're still struggling, check this out. This is number five. Restate your decision when necessary. Listen, don't believe the lie if you forgive that you've not forgiven. You have. You've already forgiven. And when you're in that moment and you've gone through step one, step two, step three, step four, you're really struggling, you still feel it. Step five is to remember why you forgave in the first place. Now this is Ephesians 4, starting at verse 31. Check this out. Get rid of all this nasty stuff, all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Well, how do I do that? Well, you're kind to each other, tenderhearted, and check this out. It's right here. Forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so you go, well, why do you... Why did you forgive in the first place? Well, maybe you were tired of being angry. Maybe you're tired of being imprisoned. Maybe you're tired of struggling with the hurt anymore. Maybe you were tired of being controlled by the past. Maybe you knew it was time to move on and you decided, okay, maybe you finally had the strength to cancel the debt and maybe they were never gonna pay up anyway and you didn't wanna live the rest of your life indebted in the way that you were living. And maybe, just maybe, you understood that Jesus forgave you so you can forgive somebody else. Because forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is more about you and Jesus than it is you and the other person. We make it about the other person. They can't cancel the debt. Forgiveness is more about you and Jesus. So if you're angry or hurt or annoyed or bitter or irritated or offended, remember, forgive and then forgive again and then forgive again. I seriously thought about just saying it 490 times. I didn't think you'd sit through it. But keep on forgiving over and over all of the times. You cancel the debt. Why? You forgive others because you have been forgiven. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, this is hard for us to do. It's hard to cancel a debt. It's hard to understand that we're never going to get repaid. It's hard to get into a situation and know like it's never going to be made right in the way that we hope that the hurt is still there, the pain is still there, the brokenness is still there. So why forgive? God, help us remember how we are forgiven. Help us remember Jesus and the cross. Help us remember that you've conquered those things that we don't have to be imprisoned in our lives anymore because of your forgiveness and your grace and your love, that we don't have to have this fear of our life going a certain way. We don't have to hold on tightly to that anger that just crushes us. That because of your forgiveness, we are forgiven. And because we're forgiven, we're able to forgive. 
Help us live that out. That's so hard. Help us go through these steps if we need to. Help us dismiss the case. Help us cling to you and your love and help us thank you today to sing to you today, to realize today how much your love, how vast your love is, that it's so wide and it's so deep and it's so full and it's so full of grace that we are able to even stand and be forgiven in the first place. Thank you for that reminder and for Jesus. And it's because of Jesus and the cross that we pray today. Amen.